of Catholic Girl on the radio. We're on uh, Radio Mount Lebanon. We're also on live on Instagram, so that's that's pretty exciting. Today's guest is Vincent Paul Mawad, and I'm really excited to have him with me. He's currently a seminarian, uh, which is really cool. Yay! And uh, and he also previously in his previous life, he's he studies data analytics, or he was a data analyst. He studied business analytics and he has an MBA in finance. How you doing? I'm doing all right, thank you. Yeah, everything's great. Thank you for joining me today. Anytime, thank you. So, uh, Vincent, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Sure, so I was born and pretty much raised in the Maronite Rite. So the Maronite Rite has always been in my life and practically speaking, it was more towards my parents always teach me about the Catholic Church and that we would learn about Jesus as well as why going to church every Sunday and the importance of going to church and seeing Jesus every day or even every Sunday. And thankfully, within the church, I was able to learn more about my own spirituality that would made that would have allowed me to listen to God's call for me and being able to respond to it and enter the seminary. I love it. Uh, so tell me about you before the seminary, and then we'll talk about the seminary itself. So describe your characteristics sure. to me, and then we can move on. Okay, so it's interesting because I've always been attached to the church because my parents were always taking the church. So after high school, I was in Philadelphia. I was studying LaSalle University um, for a bachelor's in business administration, and I focused in data analytics, business systems and analytics, which is pretty much data analytics, business analytics, and the whole new idea of data analysis that's been a new thing and while i was there because the church was only about 20 minutes away i was able to continue my spirituality not on campus because it was even though it was a la salle university it's a catholic college that was run by the la salle brothers um the maronite church still had my heart and i just kept on going every sunday and i just continued to be active within the parish Many times being in Philadelphia, you have to always go to different restaurants. You always have to go to the sporting events and participate and participate into the nor- like the normal culture of being a Philadelphian. So, I and what is that like? What does that mean? Um, of course, you have to support the Eagles no matter what happens. Good days and bad days, you have to support them. Um, luckily enough, I was able to live in Philadelphia when they won the Super Bowl. So ah. that was always, that was like the best okay. uh, moment. But um. Like, it's not cheesesteaks and pret- soft pretzels. There's a lot more to it, you know. There's going, like, people in Philadelphia know that, you know, you have the SEPTA system, which is consists of the subways and the trolleys and the buses that takes you from A point A to point B. So you got a lot of different points um, to be in Philadelphia. So, so here's the thing. Um, California, we really don't use the buses or the subway, or we, I don't think we have a subway. To, no, we do. Mm-hmm. We do, I think, in L.A. somewhere. See, I don't even know. Uh, and we really just, it's not, it's not a popular thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So describe, describe that, like, you know, for people who don't know, because a lot of, okay. you know, there's a good amount of people that are like me in California who I've experienced this stuff because I've been on the East Coast, but right. people haven't. So tell me. So tell the me subway is pretty much, okay. sure. So the Philadelphia subway is pretty much, like any subway, like New York is known for their subways and DC is known for their subway as well. So it's pretty much an underground train that takes you from point to point. And like you buy a ticket and go underground and go 
wait for a train, I'll take you to wherever your destination is. However, many times there's always interesting stories and you see interesting events happening on the subway. You see, like I've seen multiple rats because of the cleanliness of the subways and how they maintain it. So it's always interesting. It's part of the city life. You can't just like, oh my God, what is this? It's not like, it, let's be real, it's a subway. So like you always see the worst of society, but at the end of the day, it gives a little bit more of appreciation in one in your own life. So. I love it. Um, is there any like stories that you heard on the subway that really stuck with you that you thought, okay, like this is very interesting, you know, maybe spiritually affected you or something of that sort? Well, being on the subway itself, because you will see a lot of homeless people on the subway asking for food or asking for money or just, just whatever they might need. And it breaks your heart. And you really feel for them. Like I, when I was in college, like studying a style, I was like, okay, like I wasn't accustomed to this. And like obviously you see them in the streets and all, but actually seeing them face to face and for them asking, hey, can I have something to eat? Like thankfully, like sometimes when I was going into the city, I had like extra lunch. I was like, oh, let me just hold it on just because I'm hungry. When I'm walking around the city, I could have something to eat. And yeah. I remember one day I was like there. On the, I was on the subway and I was like looking at it. I was like, and there's a person come by asking for food. I'm like, here, you can take my food. Like, at the end of the day, you might be needing more food. I just had a lunch like two hours ago and it's not a big deal. So you could have my food. And it's like those kinds of acts of kindness that gets to you and goes into your heart. And, but many times it's also, you see it to the point many times in the cities that like, it's not, you get accustomed to it and it's not the best way to act sometimes you're just like oh okay well you know he might be um an like a drug abuser and you know that he's going there and he's asking for food or money he's asking for money for not the right reason so many times you look at it, it's like this is not really good in that purpose yeah but overall like thank god like it has shaped me overall as a person so that's always a good thing love it and it's uh, it's always nice to see people's reaction and and I think there's always you know even you might not know why uh, people are asking the money for the money but you have to trust in your heart that your intentions are are good and I think that makes a difference. Before we keep going, uh, shout out to everyone saying hi to us uh, today and. Uh, kind of joining in on our conversation. You guys uh, that are with us live, uh, feel free to ask any questions. Uh, I'm open to any questions. I think uh, Vincent's also open to questions. We are gonna talk, we're gonna shift a little bit from you know just the city life to you graduated, you mm -hmm. got your degree, you went to work, sure. and then what happened? Exactly. So I was working and this is the interesting part. It's like when I was, my life always has been dedicated around church and always been focused with church activities and all that. So when I was working, it felt like a normal job. Like you would work, go to school, you go to work, you wake up, go to work, come back home. That's it. That's your end of the, much the, end of the day. You want to meet friends after, you want to get lunch. That's, you know, additional stuff that you might do throughout the day. And for me, my heart was like saying it's like there's something more for me in terms of, is this really what God's actually calling me to do? And later on, it took me a while to understand this, but it just, 
the ability for me saying, yes, maybe this is something, maybe this professional world is not for me. Maybe there's something else besides that. Now, was there an internal say, struggle that you felt? Um, Between, you know, the point where you're like, okay, I'm considering this and then saying mm -hmm. actually yes. Yeah, there was always that, like, that's what I was struggling most is when to actually pull the trigger of saying, yes, this is what I'm going to do in terms of, yes, I'm going to, like, I always, you could discern in anything. You could discern your marriage, you could discern your single life, you could discern being a priest or being a brother or being a nun or whatever. You can always discern throughout your life. And it's an ongoing discernment. But at the end of the day, we're human. We have to be called to some kind of that. You just can't live on, oh, well, maybe I'm going to do this, and you keep on doing it without any action. That's not how the human mind works. That's not how mm. anybody works. So Is that based on data? One... Sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no. That's actually a good research project, actually. But I'm not pretty sure, but probably so. Like, I would say, yeah, I think a lot that of That actually would be a really good research project. Yeah. I'm not like, hey, cause... Well, I think within the Catholic Church or even, like, the Orthodox Church, I think a lot of people, a lot of young men and women probably have the call, but probably don't want to make that big push of saying yes. I think that's their... Why? They're attached to their... I think fear, one. Um, fear of what might happen in the future. Fear of, is this really what I want to do? Because mm. a lot of times there's a lot of things that's being attributed to as a negative. The church is this, or the church is that, or, you know, why would you want to do this or that? And they keep, people keep on going to the negatives of the church and negatives of the ministry of the brothers and sisters and the nuns and the priests that they do on a daily basis, and no one looks at the positive. So I think we're being overwhelmed many times on the negatives, but not really focused on the positive. And that's many times, I would say, a lot of people are not really focused on listening to God in their heart, as well as pretty much acting upon the decision that God, what God wants us to do. Do you believe that everyone who falls in love with God has a call to, to seminary or to religious life? No, I think a lot of times, if you're falling with God, I'll fall in love with God. As many times, you're not all automatically going to be dedicated to the priesthood. You're not automatically going to be called to become a nun or a sister. That's, it would be many times your own discernment. You have to figure it out on your own. It's very abstract. I, it's not like there's a rule book saying, okay, I go to church every Sunday. I go to the sacrament of confession. I am living a pious life. That's how I'm going to go to you know, the convent I'm going to this seminary it doesn't work like that. Sometimes you have um, a pious life and you're called to married life and you find that perfect person who relates with you on a lot of perspectives and you have a beautiful family who is dedicated to the church. Look at the parents of St. Teresa of Child of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So she, her parents are saints now. You know, St. Monica, she lived a pious life, prayed for her son, St. Augustine, who became a doctor of the church, for him to pretty much leave his sinful life to go be closer to Jesus. So, so how is your... Go ahead. Go ahead. And no, I'm just... I'm gonna... Yeah, go, go ahead. No worries. No, you're <laughs> I'm good. I'm stopping. I'm stopping. We're not doing this. <laughs> okay. Continue. So, it's pretty much... I'm, I'm just, was wrap, just wrapping up, saying that, you know, it's not... Um, 
a cookie cutter saying I'm going to go to church every Sunday and I'm going to become a priest because that's what I do every Sunday. It's, mm-hmm. There's more to that. And even if we fall in love with Jesus, that's still only half the half the um, half the mission that we're really called to do. So that's as Christians, we're supposed to love Jesus, but not everyone ought to be a priest or not or any religious life. So how was your discernment process? Um, well, it was interesting. I'll give you the whole book kind of perspective. Um, so I was like work. I was finishing my MBA in fall 2019, and being my MBA, I was almost done. I was like, okay, I want to implement something new. I want to create a company. I want to start a whole different perspective start a new professional world or get into the professional world a little bit more deeper than what I really want to do. And as I continued, I figured out that this might not be what I really want to do. And as I kept on going down the path, the idea where where God was calling me was more towards the priesthood rather than the professional world. And for me, it was very interesting because I was like, okay, this is something that's always been on my mind and this is something that I have the opportunity now to actually commit to this um, commit to this path that God has really wanted me to partake on. So how can people understand like the voice that you know like there's this voice usually when when we talk about discernment there's always like oh this voice inside of me is calling me to do yeah. this so uh, how, how do people understand? Prayer I would say that's like number one thing is to pray not a lot but have a good relationship with God it's not going to happen overnight you have to have a solid prayer life in order to be closer to God in order to understand what his true message is for you because there's always going to be you're always going to have good ideas and bad ideas happening in your mind 24 7 it's just figuring out which one is right and which one's wrong and which one's going to guide you towards right and which one's not I love it uh, before I ask you the next question, just uh, I think it's Jeremy so or Jamie. Uh, so thank you for the love. Thank you for uh, commenting. Uh, and I just want to welcome everybody again that are coming in and out of, of the conversation for the love that they're showing us. If you guys have any questions, you guys are free to ask. We're here to answer. Uh, if you find something interesting that we're saying, point it out. If any comment that you want, just uh, type it in the comment box below with us on the session. Okay, so did you have any signs that said, okay, this is, because a lot of times I feel like we ask God, we say, okay, God, give me a sign that this is what you want me to mm-hmm. do. Did you have that at any point? Um, but when I was thinking about starting my own company, I was, the night before, I was almost pretty much finished off with the entire design of the company. And I remember the night before I was about to look at much had in my mind the next day I'll be working on my state filing um, mm-hmm. paperwork or how the company will work in legal form. So the ne- I pretty much prayed the day before, the night before, and I told God, it's like, you know, you know I only have this part to do. If you want me to take care of that, then bless it and let me know. If not, then let me know, just not as soon as possible, but let me know in a way that um, I can be able to serve you as best ways you want me to be called and I remember the next morning I woke up with the idea of the priesthood which never came into my mind for a good amount of time that I never really considered it so when I woke up that morning 
I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is something that I really wasn't um, thinking. So thinking about for a long period of time. So I was like, okay, this is the only way I can do this is prayer, prayer, prayer. So let's just keep on pushing through and figuring out whether this is actually the fault that I'm really, um, that I really should follow. Did so, you feel at peace that morning? Oh, or yeah. was it like anxious, like, oh my gosh, like God's calling me to the priesthood? Did you well, ever feel I, like that? For me, yeah, I, like for me, I felt peaceful because I was like, okay, you know, previously, the night before when I prayed it, I was like, okay, I was pretty much saying to God, it's like, you guide my life. And I always lived in that kind of way. Mm-hmm. So for him, for having that kind of thought, I looked at it and said, okay, this is what God wants. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm not going to be anxious off of this idea, or but I woke up in a kind of peace. Everything was very peaceful, and there wasn't any rebuttal saying, no, God, this is not what I really want to do. Give me another idea, or give me another path, but it wasn't that kind of perspective. It was like, oh, wow, this is something that I had in my mind, and if this is what he wants, then who can I say no? I love it. I love it. I just want to say I, I really like the comments. Uh, so Slavia put a, a, a like three emojis, and then uh, Afaf put three emojis that are kind of the same, and it has the Brazilian flag and the Lebanese flag in them. So right. that's pretty cool. We've got we've got people that are watching in different parts of the world. Yay! Uh, thank you guys uh, for for joining. Okay, so now we talked a little bit about the discernment process. Tell me a little bit more about your Maronite faith. Now, this it's a little bit different than the Latin church. You could have gone, you went to La Salle, so you could have gone to um, a Latin seminary, or right. Latin as in, like, the Roman Catholic. Right. Why Why Maronite? Well, I've always been, always been born and raised within the Maronite church. So the Maronite church always had a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. and I've been an altar server there. I was part of the choir, so and and pretty much volunteered any way that I can to be part of the church. So when I've been being at graduating from LaSalle University and Catholic College, I went to several of their masses when on campus, and I didn't feel the same um, hmm. spiritual fulfillment than I was if I was going to the Maronite Church. The Maronite Church, I go and automatically. I felt like just going into the church, I felt it was a pre- like I felt there was a special um, presence in my heart. Rather, mm-hmm. like I would, that's just my perspective. Obviously, every Catholic church would provide the same feeling because Christ is in that church. But because there's some I was things that you're used to in in your church that are different correct. than other churches. Do you feel that there's uh, a difference in? Uh, not necessarily the priesthood because it's, it's essentially the same, but in um, the rites. Do you feel like there's right. a. Is it, do you know, like, do you say, okay, well, I like this about our church. I would rather do this in the Maronite church. Is there like elements sure, so like, that you can say? I would like, personally, I like the Syriac um, language and the heritage behind the Maronite rite. Like, the Latins have. A beautiful tradition, as well as um, history along with it, and the liturgical, um, the liturgical mass is beautiful as well. But the Maronite rite has also that Syriac um, 
perspective that you really don't see only except if you go to the Syriac Church, which is the Syriac Orthodox, Syriac Catholic, or even the Maronite Church. So those are like pretty much the only ones that you would see that Syriac, Syriac enrichment. And plus we sing, or we have, we can't see um, Eucharistic initiation in Syriac. So that adds a benefit in spirituality, I would say. What uh, what are those benefits that you feel like? Well, I think like actually... just because, yeah, shows the Eucharistic um, initiation, I would say, because it's in Syriac, it's very similar to what Jesus might have said at the Last Supper. So when you hear it in your ears and instantly, because, because Syriac is a dialect of Aramaic, your mind from it directs yourself to what Jesus might have said to the twelve apostles. I love it. I love it. So, uh, quick, uh, you know, interruption. So we've got someone from Canada jumping on the bandwagon. So, Danny, thank you for joining us. And someone has a question for you. Sasaf has a question for you. Do you, you want to read it, or would you like me to read it? You could read it, and I'll respond. Okay. So, uh, you think that a part of recognizing, do you think that a part of recognizing the calling is being open to experiment things to be able to know and discern God's will? Yeah, 100%. Well, you, even if in the seminary or going to a convent, it's not how a lot of people imagine it as a closed door policy. Once you enter, you can't come out. The Catholic Church pretty much states that. They want the person to be happy, whether they're, if they enter the seminary or they enter a convent it, within the first two, three years, and they're not happy, you know, that's fine. Like, for example, in a relationship, if you date that significant other and you're not happy with that individual, you know, before the, you know, the sacrament of marriage, you could go because you could say, okay, this person and I haven't seen eye to eye or you know, we disagree on certain things or, you know, there has to be a reasoning for it. But you could always um, experiment and pretty much discern what God's will is. But that also goes back on prayer and figuring out whether this is really what you want to do or not, or this is really what God wants you to do or not. Is there, do you feel like there's a, um, a partnership with God where it's like a give and take? You can say, okay, well, God, this is, this is what I want. And he presents his views, and they're like, "Okay, like let's let's meet somewhere," which he ends up winning. But right. the point is, I would do you say, think the relationship with God is something like that, or do you think it's just very cutthroat? Like this is this is what you're gonna do. Gotta, yeah, you gotta we gotta look at it. it's like God humbled himself first to become man. Obviously, Jesus came. To the earth because he want, he understood the human mind. He understood how we were. He wouldn't just come onto the earth and say, okay, you guys are doing everything bad and this is how we're supposed to do it. He gave us new commandments in order to become better people. So God understands how we work. But it's how it's our own reflection on are we open to God's plan. Mm -hmm. Many times we could say, okay, God, I want you to help me out on this exam, but, you know, I'm not going to go to church tomorrow, or, you know, you know, or I'm not, I'm in moral sin, and I'm still going to take, I'm going to take communion because this is what I want. Well, we got to look, then we have to redefine what 
is morally good and what's morally bad? Or is this really good in the eyes of the church? And what is really good for you spiritually as well as morally and even physically and mentally? Okay. Is there anything in theology that you, that made you fall in love with God? Reading the Bible, I think the reading the Bible is the best way to become close to God. It's God's words on paper. So you really can't, um, obviously there's going to be obviously different types of um, descriptions and annotations and commentary about the Bible. And that's, many times that allows you to enrich your spiritual life, I would say. But currently I'm just reading the, go ahead. So I think, like for me, I'm just reading. I'm just um, continuing reading the the homilies of Saint John Chrysostom, and he goes mm-hmm. from the I think I'm I'm at the Gospel of Matthew. I just started it, but he goes every chapter and describes it, and that enriches your own spiritual life. So when you hear that, whenever in the liturgical year, you could go back saying, "Yes, I heard this before, and I know how this." Um, narrative is in this perspective. Now, every doctor, every priest, and every spiritual father has their own perspective. Most of it's pretty much in line, but everybody points out something. Like when you read one passage and you read it over and over again, there's certain parts that you'll hear it and you will say, oh, well, this is that. I didn't notice this part last time, and you keep on going. So it's a process in growing that spiritual life. Very true. Uh, Betty, I think, or no, that's a battle. I think battle cry, Milhim is saying hello. Hi, Milhim. I'm assuming his name is Milhim and not battle cry. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I'm also not wearing <laughs> my glasses, so I can't really, I'm trying to like read the names and uh, not, not working out very well. Um, yeah, so, I love what you talked about um, the Bible, and I love that you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, St. John Christendom, and I think, uh, I haven't read his writings yet, but a lot of the um, the Melkite uh, Mass, or the Orthodox mm-hmm. Mass, uh, comes from St. John Christendom, St. John's Christendom's uh, liturgy, I believe. Correct, uh, and so... within the Maronite Church, we have St. John Chrysostom's Anaphora, which is a series of prayers mm-hmm. in the Eucharistic part of the Mass. So we appreciate St. John Chrysostom as well in the Maronite Rite. I love it. I love it. Um, tell me uh, about a theologian that impacted you, apart from um, St. John, that maybe mm-hmm. someone in the modern day that you think, okay. In the I'm, modern day? Yeah, like a okay. modern day saint. I would say John Paul II has done amazing work. That's probably the best modern day theologian not even that i would say john paul ii as well as benedict benedict i would say oh benedict has done so much work that it's going to take a while within every um within the seminaries as well as the lay people to fully understand the meaning of his work and he's done at least i think 30 40 books and he's done so much yeah, and I, I haven't read any of this. You're talking about Benedict, the one that, that was right before Francis. Oh, right? Benedict, yes, Pope Meredith. 
Um, I haven't read them yet. I haven't read any of his work. I know he's. I've heard that he's done a few like really, really good things, but uh, but mm-hmm. I haven't yet read it. I would um, say not only Benedict, like currently, um, Bishop Sarah, Cardinal Sarah is amazing. He's a bishop from Africa. Mm. And I think he was. Oh yeah, I know he is. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he did yeah. a book on silence. Interesting. I so love that's more a very. I've read yeah, a lot of the, JP's work. JP's work is one of my favorite. I love JP. He's... JP is amazing. I love JP. But there's also, because Cardinal Seurat, as well as Pope Emeritus Benedict, they both worked along almost the same time period. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, they all knew each other. So, yeah. So, the, the theology between all of them pretty much worked within each other. And it's beautiful in that way. Do you feel like there was like almost an age of enlightenment or rebirth? Not that theology of the church changes, but we see when we see when we talk about JP, we talk about this theology that kind of uh, enriches marriage. It enriches um, a sexuality. It enriches you know relationships in general. Um, so it's kind of different than what normally had been the case. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's something think- like that. I think it's just the Holy Spirit working within these people to say, yes, this is something I could write down and continue to write down many times. There's a lot of people have ideas. And a lot of people have thoughts that could be reverent to God, that could be put on paper, but sometimes they don't. So I think right now it's the importance of these bishops and the Pope to continue to push out um, and print many of their works that can be beneficial for not only society, but for future generations to come. Love it. And thank you guys for all the love that we're, we're getting uh, on. Uh, for people who aren't watching us live, they can't, uh, or people who are listening on the radio, they can't see what's going on. So thank you for that. And again, uh, you guys, uh, if you have any questions, you can ask us. If you have any comments, we'd love to hear from you. And I'm so happy like people are populating and showing up. So it's, uh, it's really cool. Okay, so as a seminarian, where do you see yourself in ten years? I mean, how is if you were if we were if I were to ask you this question two years ago, you'd say, "Oh, I'd own my company. I'd be oh, yeah. you know making this much. I'd be taking on a new projects." What does that look like for a seminarian? Right now, to be honest with you, I just came in three weeks ago, so I'm not even completing my first month within the seminary. Really? So I'm brand new. So it's, oh. it's interesting, but like right now, if you tell me what it is, what's going to be like, like my outlook in 10 years, I can't tell you. I really can't because yeah. I'm looking at it as a day-by-day basis because within the seminary life, you have a structured prayer life. You're with God. You're praying with God. You participate in the daily liturgy. You can't ask for anything more than that. You can't just say, okay, this is where I this. I anticipate myself in those five, ten, fifteen years because then it's on yourself. Mm. This is my own theology and my philosophy on this. Is that when you? No, but this is good because I, I mean, yeah. Don't, sorry, I'm gonna like finish, but we don't normally get to hear that from someone's from a religious uh, person's perspective, like someone in a religious mm-hmm. order. It's usually okay. Well, that's it. it kind of feels to a lot of people that are discerning. Well, this is it. This is the end. You right. know what I mean? Well, it's not like yeah. there. It, it, it kind of like okay it's done like what is there to live for so 
from it's interesting to hear from from someone else's perspective so what right. do you feel look at look i just look at it like living on a day-to-day basis because we don't know when we might die and mm-hmm. this earth and go to the next we don't know so mm-hmm. when you live on a day-to-day basis that outlook of 5 10 15 years and i had that outlook 150 percent but mm-hmm. once you start discerning and putting yourself not as the center but god as the center you think okay what is god allowing me to do or what does god want me to do now today, today? because Today is the day. Jesus even said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own worries. Worry about today because today is more of an, you have more needs today than what you will have tomorrow because at the end of the day, tomorrow, you wake up tomorrow. Okay, well, you know, electricity is not on or I'm late and I didn't take a shower yet and I'm already lost and I'm, you know, I'm not understanding this part of the class and there's so many things that's happening tomorrow and who knows what will happen tomorrow. Be a cloudy day, sunny day, who knows? But when you focus on your life, what's going to happen today, and take it as a day by day basis, then your whole life will follow suit. And I look at it like when we pray that, Father, we say, Thy will be done. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as it is. Like, this is my personal idea is that if Thy will, his will be done. That means we're pretty much saying your will, O God, and we want your will to be in our lives. We're not going to make our own outlook. Well, for me, I would say in the professional world, it's different because, you know, you're trying to go up that corporate ladder. You're trying to go get a nice house. You see your neighbor one has a nice car. Oh, I want the same thing too. Or I want something similar to it. And it's always that competition in the, I want to say the outside world. In the secular world, that's how it is. But even, and this one, that's available, that's pretty much um, available in everyone's life. And even I'm guilty of it too. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Well, I could, I want this and I want that, but there's certain things, there's certain restrictions, that, and you have to be in a certain mindset so that will allow you to say, wait, who, who am I trying to please? Is it, am I pleasing myself or do I want to please someone else? If there's someone else, that's a different story. I love it. I love it. So, um, I really like the way that that you're thinking and the way you're phrasing things in terms of uh, just kind of the whole day-to-day thing. It's uh, it's really it's it's very interesting. How do you think God changed your plans? Like, if I were to ask you that same question two years ago or mm-hmm. two months ago, since you're new, what would have been your answer? How does God change my plan? Well, yeah, like if I say, okay, what yeah. was your vision of your 10-year plan vision? To I would ago? say, well, the thing is God will call you either the gentle way or the hard way, I would say. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it will, like, well, like for me, I just prayed and then all of a sudden he pretty much said, he put in my mind of the bracelet. So that's pretty much the hard way because you probably thought, are you already going to church? You're already being a nice boy. You're assisting the church in every way possible. Don't you get the hint kind of thing? Or <laughs> he'll tell you immediately when you wake up or whenever, like a, like pretty much how he did with Paul, you know? God, he also going to Damascus and 
God appeared, Jesus appeared to him on the way there. So it's, God can be subtle, or God can be sometimes a little bit more, a little powerful in the message. And, yeah, a little bit aggressive, but he does it in the way of love, and that's the best part. But how he has changed my life is that it's he allowed me to become closer to him by understanding that he, when you get involved with the church, you understand. Like for me, is that when you become involved with the church in a more closer manner, you start to really hear the call of God. You really hear what God wants for you on a daily life and daily basis. And that comes from prayer, that comes with assisting with the church, and that, is, that comes with um, helping the poor and the needy. It goes in a spectrum of things. Jesus gave us a list of things we should do, and one of them was um, loving each other and helping each other out. And that's, that's how we are called, what, what we Christians are called to do. And it's just us saying yes, and we should do it. And that's what I feel. Is there a specific ministry that you lean toward? Like, you know, I want to work with prison ministries, or I want to work with students. Or... I would say that's, I haven't thought that far. To be honest with you, I haven't thought mm-hmm. that far. And you, because I'm looking at it day by day, day day by day basis. And if we look at it in that perspective, if God says, okay, I want you to do this ministry, I can't say no. And mm-hmm. do I have some favorites? Yeah, sure. But so it's what are not those? my will. Of course, always. <laughs> I would say, what are I would those say, favorites? Yeah, I would say, like, I, personally, I like talking and doing speeches and, um, like, teaching the youth as well as teaching like adults a little bit more about the faith. I think evangelization is a big thing that become may, many times now in the common world nuisance is in this, just by televangelists, by the street preachers that they, they have done their duty, but sometimes when you hear about evangelization, many times people have the bad connotation. It's like, oh, well, this guy's going to be on the stand, on the middle of the streets of, you know, mainstream and broad streets going to talk all the time and with a megaphone and just going to force us this information. I think many times, even if it's within the Catholic church and the parishioners themselves of, uh, of getting to know the reasons why we have certain things within the church and the certain things that is needed for us to grow in our faith, whether it's in liturgy, whether it's in our own spirituality. So being able to teach is one of my hopeful things I can do in my I preaching is really cool. I think. Uh, do you ever think of doing it through um, like multimedia, kind of like what we're doing now today? Uh, yeah, I think I think that could be an avenue. Right now, everything is everything is available because technology has done so much um, benefit to the to every religion, especially the Christian faith. And I think it's just the opportunity to say yes, I'm going to do it. So I think this yeah. will be a beneficial thing. I think I, I've always kind of been saying this. Um, Jesus says, go and tell the world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but exactly. today the world is a hashtag away. So while Peter had to, you know, go to um, sail to Rome, while Paul had to walk. 
it's interesting because I've always been attached to the church because my parents were always taking me to church. So after high school, I was in Philadelphia. I was studying LaSalle University um, for a bachelor's in business administration, and I focused in data analytics, business systems and analytics, which is pretty much data analytics, business analytics, and the whole new idea of data analysis. That's been a new thing. And while I was there, because the church was only about 20 minutes away, I was able to continue my spirituality, not on campus, because it was, even though it was a LaSalle University, it's a Catholic college that was run by the LaSalle brothers, um, the Maronite Church still had my heart, and I just kept on going every Sunday, and I just continued to be active within the parish. Many times, being in Philadelphia, you have to always go to different restaurants, you always have to go to the sporting events and participate and participate into the, nor like, the normal culture of being a Philadelphian. So, I and what is that going, like? What does that mean? Um, of course, you have to support the Eagles no matter what happens. Good days and bad days, you have to support them. Um, luckily enough, I was able to live in Philadelphia when they won the Super Bowl. So ah. that was always, that was like the best okay. uh, moment. But um, like it's not cheesesteaks and pret soft pretzels. There's a lot more to it. You know, there's going like people in Philadelphia know that you know you have the SEPTA system, which is consists of the subways and the rallies and the buses that takes you from A point A to point B. So you got a lot of different points um, to be in Philadelphia. So so here's the thing. Um, California, we really don't use the buses or the subway, or we, I don't think we have a subway to begin with. No, we do. Mm -hmm. We do, I think, in LA somewhere. See, I don't <laughs> even know. Uh, and we really just, it's not, it's not a popular thing. Uh, mm -hmm. So describe, describe that, like, you know, for people who don't know, because a lot of, okay. you know, there's a good amount of people that are like me in California who... I've experienced this stuff because I've been on the East Coast, but right. people haven't. So tell me. So tell the me subway is pretty much. Sure. So the Philadelphia subway is pretty much like any subway. Like New York is known for their subways, and DC is known for their subway as well. So it's pretty much an underground train that takes you from point to point. And like you buy a ticket and go underground and go wait for a train, and it'll take you to wherever your destination is. However, many times there's always interesting stories, and you see interesting events happening on the subway you see like i've seen multiple rats because of the cleanliness of the subways and how they maintain it so it's always interesting it's part of the city life you can't just like oh my god what is this it's not like it let's be real it's a subway so like you always see the worst of society but at the end of the day it gives a little bit more of appreciation in one in your own life so I love it. Um, is there any like stories that you heard on the subway that really stuck with you that you thought, okay, like this is very interesting, you know, maybe spiritually affected you or something of that sort? Well, being on the subway itself, because you will see a lot of homeless people on the subway asking for food or asking for money or just, just whatever they might need. And it breaks your heart. And you really feel for them. Like I, when I was in college, like studying at LaSalle, I was like, okay, like I wasn't accustomed to this. And like obviously you see them in the streets and all, but actually seeing them face to face and for them asking, hey, can I have something to eat? Like thankfully, like sometimes when I was going into the city, I had like extra lunch. I was like, oh, let me just hold it on just because I'm hungry. When I'm walking around the city, I could have something to eat. And yeah. I remember one day I was like there. On the, I was on the subway and I was like looking at it. I was like, 
and there's a person come by asking for food, I'm like, here, you can take my food. Like, at the end of the day, you might be needing more food. I just had a lunch, like, two hours ago, and it's not a big deal, so you could have my food. And it's like those kinds of acts of kindness that gets to you and goes into your heart. And But many times it's also, you see it to the point, many times in the cities, that, like, it's not, you get accustomed to it, and it's not the best way to act sometimes you're just like oh okay well you know he might be um an abuse like a drug abuser and you know that he's going there he's asking for food or money he's asking for money for not the right reason so many times you look at it like this is not really good in that purpose yeah but overall like thank god like it has shaped me overall as a person so that's always a good thing love it and it's uh, it's always nice to see people's reaction and and I think there's always you know even you might not know why uh, people are asking the money for the money but you have to trust in your heart that your intentions are are good and I think that makes the difference. Before we keep going, uh, shout out to everyone saying hi to us uh, today and. Uh, kind of joining in on our conversation. You guys uh, that are with us live, uh, feel free to ask any questions. Uh, I'm open to any questions. I think uh, Vincent's also open to questions. We are gonna talk, we're gonna shift a little bit from you know just the city life to you graduated, you mm-hmm. got your degree, you went to work, right. and then what happened? Exactly. So I was working and this is the interesting part. It's like when I was, my life has always been dedicated around church and always been focused with church activities and all that. So when I was working, it felt like a normal job. Like you would work, go to school, you go to work, you wake up, go to work, come back home. That's it. That's your end of the, much the, end of the day. You want to meet friends after, you want to get lunch. That's, you know, additional stuff that you might do throughout the day. And for me, my heart was like saying it's like there's something more for me in terms of, is this really what God's actually calling me to do? And later on, it took me a while to understand this, but it just, the ability for me saying, yes, maybe this is something, maybe this professional world is not for me. Maybe there's something else besides that. Now, was there an I internal was, struggle that you felt? Um, between you know the point where you're like okay i'm considering this and then saying mm-hmm. actually yes yeah there's always that like that's what i was struggling most is when to actually pull the trigger of saying yes this is what i'm going to do in terms of yes i'm going to like i always you could discern in anything you could discern your marriage you could discern your single life you could discern being a priest or being a brother or being a nun or whatever you can always discern throughout your life and it's an ongoing discernment but at the end of the day, we're human. We have to be called to some kind of action. You just can't live on, oh, well, maybe I'm going to do this, and you keep on doing it without any action. That's not how the human mind works. That's not how mm-hmm. anybody works. So Is that based on data? One... Sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no. That's actually a good research project, actually. But I'm not pretty sure, but probably so. Like, I would say, yeah, I think a lot of That people... actually would be a really good research project. Yeah. I'm not like, hey. Well, I think within the Catholic Church or even like the Orthodox Church, I think a lot of people, a lot of young men and women probably have the call, but probably don't want to make that big push of saying yes. I think that's their, Why? they're attached to the, I think fear, one, um, 
fear of what might happen in the future, fear of is this really what I want to do? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times there's a lot of things that's being attributed to as a negative. The church is this or church is that. I mean, you know, why would you want to do this or that? And they keep people, people keep on going to the negatives of the church and negatives of the ministry of the brothers and sisters and the nuns and priests that they do on a daily basis. But no one looks at the positive. So I think we're being overwhelmed many times on the negatives, but not really focused on the positive. And that's mm-hmm. many times I would say a lot of people are not really focused on listening to God in their heart as well as pretty much acting upon the decision that God, what God wants us to do. Do you believe that everyone who falls in love with God has a call to, to seminary or to religious life? No, I think a lot of times if you fall in with God, or fall in love with God, as many times you're not all automatically going to be dedicated to the priesthood. You're not automatically going to be called to become a nun or a sister. That's it would be many times you're on the storm. You have to figure it out on your own. It's very mm-hmm. abstract. I, it's not like there's a rule book saying, okay, I go to church every Sunday. I go to the sacrament of confession. I am living a pious life. That's how I'm going to go to, you know, the convent. I'm going to go to the seminary. It doesn't work like that. Sometimes you have um, a pious life and you're called to marry life. And you find that perfect person who relates with you on a lot of perspectives. And you have a beautiful family who is dedicated to the church. Look at the parents of St. Teresa of Child of Jesus. Yeah. 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 So she's, her parents are saints now. You know, St. Monica, she lived a pious life, prayed for her son, St. Augustine, who became a doctor of the church, for him to pretty much leave his sinful life to go be closer to Jesus. So, so how is your for, de- Go ahead. Go ahead. And no, I'm just I'm gonna, yeah, go, go ahead. No, <laughs> no you're I'm good. stopping. I'm stopping. We're not doing this. <laughs> okay. Continue. So it's pretty much I'm I'm just was wrap just wrapping up saying that, you know, it's not um a cookie cutter saying I'm gonna go to church every Sunday and I'm gonna become a priest because that's what I do every Sunday. It's mm-hmm. there's more to that. And even if we fall in love with Jesus, that's still only half the half the um have the mission that we're really called to do. So that's as Christians, we're supposed to love Jesus, but not everyone calls to be a priest or not or any religious life. So, how was your discernment process? Um, well, it was interesting. I'll give you the whole book kind of perspective. Um, so I was like work. I was finishing my MBA in fall 2019, and being my MBA, I was almost done. I was like, okay, I want to implement something new. I want to create a company. I want to start a whole different perspective, start a new professional world, or get into the professional world a little bit more deeper than what I really want to do. And as I continued, I figured out that this might not be what I really want to do. And as I kept on going down the path, the idea where where God was calling me was more towards the priesthood rather than the professional. And for me, it was very interesting because I was like, okay, this is something that's always been on my mind and this is something that I have the opportunity now to actually commit to this um, commit to this path that God has really wanted me to, to partake on. So how can people understand like the voice that 
you know, like there's this voice, usually when, when we talk about discernment, there's always like, oh, this voice inside of me is calling me to do yeah. this. So uh, how, how do people understand? Prayer, I would say. That's like number one thing is to pray. A, not a lot, but have a good relationship with God. It's not going to happen overnight. You have to have a solid prayer life in order to be closer to God, in order to understand what his true message is for you because there's always going to be you're always going to have good ideas and bad ideas happening in your mind 24 7. it's just figuring out which one is right and which one's wrong and which one's going to guide you what's right and which one's not i love it uh before i ask you the next question just uh i think it's jeremy so or jamie uh so thank you for the love thank you for uh commenting uh, and I just want to welcome everybody again that are coming in and out of, of the conversation for the love that they're showing us. If you guys have any questions, you guys are free to ask. We're here to answer. Uh, if you find something interesting that we're saying, point it out. If any comment that you want, just uh, type it in the comment box below with us on the session. Okay, so did you have any signs that said, okay, this is... Because a lot of times I feel like we ask God, we say, okay, God, give me a sign that this is what you want me to mm -hmm. do. Did you have that at any point? Um, well, when I was thinking about starting my own company, I was the night before, I was almost pretty much finished off with the entire design of the company. And I remember the night before I was about to, I pretty much had in my mind the next day I'll be working on my state filing um, mm -hmm. paperwork for how the company will work in legal form so the net i pretty much prayed the day before the night before and i told god it's like you know you know i only have this part to do if you want me to take care of that then bless it and let me know if not then let me know just not as soon as possible but let me know in a way that um i can be able to serve you as best ways you want me to be called and I remember the next morning I woke up with the idea of the priesthood, which never came into my mind for a good amount of time that I never really considered it. So when I woke up that morning, I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is something that I really wasn't um, thinking. So I'm thinking about for a long period of time. So I was like, okay, this is the only way I can do this is prayer, prayer, prayer. So let's just keep on pushing through and figuring out whether this is actually the fault that I'm really, um, that I really should follow. Did so, you feel at peace that morning? Oh, or yeah. was it like anxious, like, oh my gosh, like God's calling me to the priesthood. Did you ever well, feel I, like, that? For me, yeah, I, like for me, I felt peaceful because like, okay, you know, previously the night before when I prayed it, I was like, okay. I was pretty much saying to God, it's like, you guide my life. And I always lived in that kind of way. Mm -hmm. So for him, for having that kind of thought, I looked at it and said, okay, this is what God wants. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm not going to be anxious off of this idea. Or, But I woke up in a kind of peace. Everything was very peaceful. And there wasn't any rebuttal saying, no, God, this is not what I really want to do. Give me another idea or give me another path. But it wasn't that kind of perspective. But it was like, oh, wow, this is something that I had in my mind. And if this is what he wants, then who can I say no? I love it. I love it. I just want to say I, I really like the comments uh, 
so Flavia put a, a, a like three emojis and then uh, Afa put three emojis that are kind of the same and it has the Brazilian flag and the Lebanese flag in them. So right. that's pretty cool. We've got we've got people that are watching in different parts of the world. Yay! Uh, thank you guys uh, for for joining. Okay, so now we talked a little bit about the discernment process. Tell me a little bit more about your Maronite faith. Now, this it's a little bit different than the Latin church. You could have gone, you went to La Salso, you could have gone to um, a Latin seminary or right. Latin as in like the Roman Catholic. Right. Why, why Maronite? Well, I've always been, always been born and raised within the Maronite church. So the Maronite church always had a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. And I've been an altar server there. I was part of the choir. So, and much volunteered any way that I can to be part of the church. So when I've been being at graduating from LaSalle University and to Catholic College, I went to several of their masses when on campus. And I didn't feel the same um, mm. spiritual fulfillment than I was if I was going to the Maronite Church. The Maronite Church I go and automatically I felt like just going into the church I felt it was a pre- like I felt there was a special um, presence in my heart, rather mm-hmm. like I would. That's just my perspective. Obviously, every Catholic church would provide the same feeling because Christ is in that church. But there's some I things that raised, you're used to in in your church that are different correct. than other churches. Do you feel that there's uh, a difference in uh, not necessarily priesthood because it's, it's essentially the same, but in um, the rites. Do you feel like there's right. a, is it, do you know, like, do you say, okay, though, well, I like this about our church. I would rather do this in the Maronite church. Is there like elements so, so like, that you can say? I will, like, personally, I like the Syriac um, language and the heritage behind the Maronite rite. Like, Latins have a beautiful tradition as well as um, history along with it and the liturgical um a liturgical mass is beautiful as well, but the Maronite Rite has also that Syriac um, perspective that you really don't see only except if you go to the Syriac Church, which is the Syriac Orthodox, Syriac Catholic, or even the Maronite Church. So those are like pretty much the only ones that you would see that Syriac, Syriac enrichment. And plus, we sing or we have we chant the um, Eucharistic initiation in Syriac. So that adds a benefit in spirituality, I would say. What uh, What are those benefits that you feel like? Well, I think like have? just because, yeah, it shows the Eucharistic um, initiation, I would say, because in Syria, it's very similar to what Jesus might have said at the Last Supper. So when you hear it in your ears and instantly, because it because Syriac is a dialect of Aramaic, your mind directs yourself to what Jesus might have said through the Bible. I love it. I love it. 